Bye, Dave. Cheers. Cheers. That's oh, piss weak. Let's do it over there. One, two, three. That's better. That's better. I'm Ambi. I'm Kana. And welcome to the Diplomacy Games, episode and 52. A very special episode. A very special episode. And what, what was it that you're calling this episode? We're going to call it the... Rise of the Bots. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> <laughs> I said to Kana before we started recording, is there actually any music from the Terminator movies you can play at this point? And the only one that comes into mind was, I think, was Terminator 3. It was like a Guns N' Roses song. Um, which one was that one? I don't know. It was a really good one, though. So no, November Rain. No, it wasn't November Rain. Yeah, Someone's yeah. going to tell us. What are you drinking, yeah, could Andy? You, I know, I know. It was that um, uh, Paul McCartney song that they kind of did. No. Live and Let Die? Oh, Live and Let, live and let Die. I think live it was. Live, live and Live and let live and die. Yeah, I know that one. Anyway. (laughs) So. Is that. Okay, anyway. But the reason we talk about Terminator. Yes. Well, first of all, what what are you drinking? Oh, yeah, good point. Um, I can't remember. (laughs) Hang on, I'll get get, get the sheet. You talk about where we're at. Oh, okay. So, um, Kane is going up to go get the drinks menu. Uh, We're at a bar called Alba. Alba's ALBA. It's actually like literally next door to the place we went to last, isn't it? Uh, yeah, so it's pretty centralised. Um, it's down the uh, little alleyway in the CBD of Brisbane. It's a pretty funky little bar, if I might say so myself. Unfortunately, you've got the cocktail menu. Oh, you're not drinking cocktails. No, I'm not drinking cocktails. I know it's a GSM. I think it's called Juan or something like that. J-A-U-M-E or U-N-E. We'll find out later. And I'm drinking a beer. A beer? What's up a beer? Pale ale. In a not-quite-schooner-sized cup. It's a very, very... It's like a half a schooner. It's, I don't know, pot size? Don't it have bigger beers? It's larger than a pot. Really? Anyway, but still, nice nice drop. I forgot, I I missed the name of it. You're as bad as me. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Hopefully we can remember who we interviewed for Rise of the Box. Yes, now... So there's, Two a bit people. Of back, there's a bit of backstory to this. Oh, okay, yeah, okay. Um, so the, the tail end of the last time we interviewed JMO a couple of episodes ago. Yes. Um, at the tail end of our interview, where you know the recording's all finished. Yeah, and he said, "Are, and you, are you sure it's off?" And I went, "Yes, it's off." And then actually pressed off. <laughs> <laughs> and he goes, "Well, have I got a bit of news for you?" <laughs> And out it comes is that they've been working with the University of Montreal for quite some time yep. to develop artificial intelligence for the game that you know we love, diplomacy. Yeah. And um, and that it, the, the the release date date was kind of imminent. It was just around the corner. Um, and we went. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, so, so Kane, Kane and I had a bit of a wet dream around this. And... <laughs> And and uh, and fortunately, Jamo said, "Look, hey, I'm let, happy to let you a little bit more into the tent." He set us up to play three test games, one game where we were both in the game together, and then an individual game each where we were both where we were separately playing six bots. Yes. And how about we tell the audience how we went after the interview? Oh, okay, okay. But anyway, let's give some context. So, the, so the, before we just jump into that, so yep. we are interviewing JMO uh, the second time. So keep the, the WebDip people happy that, hey, look, we are standing up representing WebDip. Uh, and also Peter Wiggett, who was more like the, the brains behind the, the, the technical 
aspects of how things are going. And I have but to say, what, what, what? Oh. Having read the read the paper, the, the, yeah, the official the, academic the, the paper, official academic paper that goes alongside this, I felt very um, dumb. Yeah, I felt <laughs> incredibly dumb. So hats off to Peter Wigan who's got his head around it. You know, I'm, yeah. Anyway, so without further ado, here we go. He's uh, Rise of the Bots with uh, J-Mo and Peter Wigan. Part two. You'll get it. <laughs> JMO, Peter Wigan, welcome back to the show. And I say welcome back because we recorded this about a week ago and now we're having to do it all over again because I fucked up. <laughs> um, yeah, practice makes perfect. Well, yeah, I think if anything, this is probably going to be an even better interview because now Kana and I are a little bit more informed about our subject matter, which is, um, and has also developed a little bit further with what you were just sharing with us now. Do you want to tell us a little bit about what you've been up to in the web dip world and in the university space? Yes. So about a year ago, we had a university reach out to Kestis about a project um, related to machine learning and creating a bot or um, for those of you who don't know a bot is in very simple terms a computer program that performs actions so this bot plays the board game diplomacy and we have been working to integrate that into web diplomacy so we've been working with uh uh, Philip was a grad student at the University of Montreal, and he, I believe, has had a few other uh, uh, grad students there and some faculty assistants in uh, working to develop the spot, um, publishing a paper on it, and then writing an API to allow it to be integrated into Web Diplomacy's code base. So the bot is uh, fairly skillful. We've had myself, Zalter, a couple of mods, and then um, we gave uh, Ambient Canner here a couple of uh, test games to play with the bot. Um, the bot's skill is probably that of a pretty good player. It's definitely better than your uh, average you know, new player who just jumped into the site. So the bot works on the classic variant and any variant based on the classic map with no special rules and that has the same uh, unit allocation that the starting countries do. So what that means is it will not work with build anywhere rules, it will not work with fog of war, and it will not work with something like chaos where the initial starting countries are different. But it will work with classic, with France versus Austria, with Germany versus Italy, um, and any other classic uh, map like that. Uh, with no special rules. So it is optimized for classic. It was taught uh, on the classic map um, using a lot of classic games because that's the most common uh, version of diplomacy played out there. So that means that it is the most skillful on the classic map. It can still play on the other two variants, but its skill level is a bit less. It'll still beat your initial brand new player, um, but it is a little less skilled there. So... Uh, just to talk a little bit on how it'll be integrated into the site, we're going to have two options. The first option will be play a game with bots. So that will let you kick off a bot game uh, right off the bat. Um, and it'll let you choose the variant you want to play on. It'll let you choose the country you want, or it'll let you choose random. Um, and then it'll let you name the game. The rest of the settings will be automatically applied. So these will be non-anonymous, 72-hour phase, 
um, five-point bet unranked games. Now, even though they're 72-hour phases, the bots put in their orders automatically as soon as the turn uh, changes. So typically you'll see that in about one to five seconds. Uh, if we have a really heavy server load, it can take up to maybe 30 seconds or so for the bots to enter orders, but you'll be able to play on-demand games, which will hopefully make us a bit more competitive with a lot of the other apps out there for gaming in general. Um, so we'll be allowing an on-demand kind of offering. Uh, to integrate into the site, we've adjusted voting to make sure that you never get stalemated uh, with a bot forever because the bots don't understand stalemate lines. So the first two turns, all votes are allowed. So if you vote cancel, uh, if you vote draw, or if you vote pause, the bot will mimic your vote. All of the bots will mimic your vote. Um, after that, you can pause at any point and all the bots will pause as well and then you can unpause at any time and then after votes unless the bot is winning um, you will be able to vote everything but if a bot is winning it will check four turns prior it'll see if the bot has gained any extra supply centers and if not then it will uh, mimic your draw vote um, now, if all of the human players in a game are eliminated, the game will automatically draw to keep the bots from going on forever. For the 1v1 uh, variants, we've added the concede button from V Diplomacy, so that will let you concede a game to the bot at any point. We have limited you to being able to play three games with the bots at any point, and that's to just make sure that our uh, API call load isn't too high um, You'll be able to end a bot game at any point, so that should never stop anyone from playing a game against the bots. A few other things that we've done is we've made sure the bot games do not impact country selection weighting in any way, and they won't impact ghost ratings when those are integrated into the site. Um, the other option will be to start a game, and it'll have to be a gunboat game, and it will have to be an unranked gunboat game. Um, and what you'll have the setting option for at that point is to say, fill the game with bots. So if six other people join your classic game, uh, um, and then if six other people join that classic game, it'll start just like a normal game would. But if you don't get enough players to start the game and at least two humans have joined it, uh, you will be able to... Um, have the game autofill with bots at the designated start time so it won't cancel like games normally will. Um, so, yeah, in a word, that is what we are doing. Um, the code at this point, unlike when we gave this a go the other week, is fully completed. So we're just doing some finishing touches and looking to push it live um, this coming Friday. Wow. <laughs> so um, I must admit, Jamo, I'm just as excited about this now as when we first recorded a week ago, if not even more so. Um, and I think that the, the players in the community are just going to lap this up. This is a um, an amazing, an amazing type of um, uh, 
um, service um, improvement to the way things actually work. Do you want to talk a little bit around some of the the, the, the dynamics around how the bot thinks and works all this out? Because I was looking at um, some of the you sent through before and, and presumably we'll be able to link through to it, the paper uh, that's been prepared by the university. And it talks about drawing from 150,000 games to develop that intelligence. Would you like to just to talk a little bit about that for a second? Or either yourself or PW? Uh, yeah, so I'll start off and then hand it over to PW. Um, the sample that was given over to the university for the testing, uh, Kestis provided, and I believe it was somewhere around 100,000 games from Web Diplomacy uh, that we've had played. So the order and move data was uh, provided to them. And then they also web scraped a few other sites, I believe V Diplomacy, Play Diplomacy, maybe one or two others to get more classic games to use in teaching the bots. Um, as to how the bots actually work, I will hand that over to PW. The way the bots work is they're based on a machine learning models. What that means is if you want to make a program that plays diplomacy, the, I mean, the, the simplest thing you could do is just have a bot that looks at all the possible moves in any given phase and picks one randomly. It's not going to do very well, but it will play. If you want to be a little more sophisticated, you can start thinking about rule-based bots, which people have done in the past, which means the programmer has to sit down and write, if this, this is possible, then do this. If not, then do that. And you can imagine that you could actually write a very good bot doing that, but you have to spend a lot of time trying to figure out every possible scenario that could come up and writing these rules, which could be tedious. And if you miss something, it could be catastrophic for a bot. So the approach taken here is different in that instead of trying to write down the rules, instead you show your bot or your what we call a model uh, a bunch of examples of the rules it should know, and it learns the rules from the example. So to be a little bit more precise, what we want is a program that will look at a board state. So board uh, includes where every unit is, who owns which sentence, and what moves were ordered last turn. So you want to take all that information in, and based on that information, you want to output an action. So the action is, for your units, for the bot's units, what order should they do this turn? And theoretically, you could look back further than one turn, So, but the model implemented in this the bots we have and the bots that's described in the paper only looks back one turn. So we do this using something called a neural network. And a neural network is basically a very complicated function with a bunch of parameters that can be changed to change how the function behaves. And in this case, the function maps from the input space, which is all of the, which is the board states, all the possible board states, to an action space, which is all the possible orders. And the way we do that is we want to take a look at our board state and encode that information in such a way so that we can use that information to output an action. There's many ways you could do that. The specific way that these bots do is for each province, they come up with 
they want to encode each province as a bunch of numbers, and that number, those numbers will hopefully tell us something about the state of the province. So as inputs, they have uh, for each province, whether it's a coast or a sea or land, they have um, which other provinces it's connected to. They have whether it's a supply center or not, but also they have who owns it. Is it a fleet or an army that currently owns it? And etc. So they take all this information for every province. In addition, they take all the orders from the last turn. So the model looks at all of those things and together uh, so the model looks at not just independently from every province, but also looks at all the interactions between the provinces to encode each province in what we call a vector, which is just a bunch of numbers. And then, so now you have before you have um, a bunch of numbers for each province. Now, say you're France, and it's 1901, so you have an army in Paris, an army in Marseille, and a fleet in Brest, and you need an order for each of those. What you do is we're going to decode orders one at a time. So, for example, if we start with Brest, then you look at the information for Brest, that's been encoded by your neural network, and you have another neural network that looks at that information and says, well, maybe we should order breast in the Atlantic Ocean, or maybe we should order breast to English Channel. And what it actually does is it gives you a probability for every possible order for breast. And then we pick one based on those probabilities. Then, with that set, we look at the next one. Let's say it's Paris. So given that breast is moving to say Mid-Atlantic Ocean, the army, the decoder knows that when it decides what to do for the army in Paris, and also knows all the information encoded about the provinces and, it, and from the previous turn. And based on that information, it gives a probability for every possible order that Paris could do. And you pick based on those probabilities, then you go look at Marseille and do the same thing, but now you can look at the orders for both Paris and Brest so that you have your order makes sense in the context of all those. So when we first have actually just pick the most likely order for each province and or going one by one, which if you're playing against other bots works okay. The problem there is a good human player will quickly notice that they the bots open the same way every time and take advantage of that. So they actually based on that feedback they actually change it to draw from the distribution, the learned distribution of orders at every uh, for every unit. So now the question is, you have this network, these two networks that learn to map from inputs, that's, that learn to encode inputs, and a decoder that learns based on the information in the, given by the encoder to give you orders. How do you train that? So they started out, and this is all described in the paper, they started out by training what's called a supervised model. And that means that you take those 150,000 games that they got from us and the other sites, they take, chop those games up into board states, which is the currency of the board, plus the order from the previous turn. They look at what the people did, and they pass those board states in to the model and compare the model's output of moves to what the humans did. 
and then you use that and how you look at how different the model's moves are from the human's moves, and then you update those parameters a little bit so that they come out closer to the human moves next time. You do this over and over again so that the your model learns to imitate the humans, and it's called supervised learning because you're given the answers. So after you do that for a while, you get a reasonable bot. They actually move to a slightly more advanced training scheme called uh, reinforcement learning, which is where instead of giving your model a bunch of inputs and outputs and saying, learn how to get the outputs given the inputs, now you just have the bots play each other and they change your parameters so that they win more games or get more centers. And in this case, they initialized those bots with the parameters learned from supervised training, which means the parameters learn by imitating human players and have them play each other a bunch of times. And the bot, after reinforcement learning, uh, outperforms the bot trained from supervised learning head-to-head. So that's kind of an overview of how you train a bot to play diplomacy and train it well that it so that it does well enough to be competitive against human players. And just because of the data they have, and because there are not that many openings in diplomacy, but there are a lot of subtle in-game things in diplomacy. Uh, the bots are very strong in the opening, and they're pretty strong in the mid-game, and they sometimes do head-scratchingly bad things in the end-game. So um, you've answered a couple of questions I had sort of bubbling away at the back there, PW, and, well, the first one, as a practical ramification from all that bot learning, is that they don't always open the same way. They all... They go, no, I'm going to go this way on this game and I'm going to open up a different way on the next game. So it's kind of unpredictable from a human's perspective. Is that right? Right, right. So you can think of it as like, for take the opening, for example, right? Here, the board state's pretty obvious. It's a starting board state for standard, the standard map. And it's seen this a bunch of times and it's really just going to have learned the probabilities that humans use, right? So say France opens to Mid-Atlantic Ocean 80% of the time to the English Channel 20%, 19% of the time and does something else 1% of the time. So the bot then should probably with something close to those probabilities imitate that. It might be a little higher or a little different based on how exactly they train the bot or and how exactly they chose to set the randomness. But it should be the same it should at least be the same ordering cool uh, the the other the other thing that sort of popped up is that um the, it, it sounds like the bots have a bit of a memory but the memory only goes back one turn um yes yeah so has have so in in, in uh well, one of my games, I got absolutely slaughtered by the uh, by the bots. So yeah. my 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 fault was approaching the bots as a you know kind of a newbie player when they're absolutely not. They just took me to town. I um I did try throwing some support at another bot as a as an attempt to um, please save me, stop stop attacking, stop attacking. Um, how much 
how much of that sort of goes in how much thought goes behind in in the bot in do you know um in so if, if you're getting attacked by a bot do they sort of just turn around and change direction if you start supporting that bot or do they look at the probabilities of you know where they sit on the board and continue to attack you and, and kill you from the game um, i mean it will definitely take into account the fact that you supported them be- the term before now that doesn't mean they'll turn around just like if you're playing a human player and you've given some supports and hopes that they turn and always going based on the because also other information and also might just want your centers more than they want your help but uh the bots do learn to some extent to cooperate and they do take that information into account so for example in a human game in a human gunboat games about 14.7 percent of supports are for other given to other powers and about half of those are uh, effective. And if for the reinforcement learning bot, it gives nine percent of its nine point one percent of its supports to other powers, and five point three percent of supports are effective cross supports. So that means more than half of the cross supports are effective. So it doesn't cooperate quite as often as human gumbo players do, but it's not zero. It, it, it's enough to, to emulate a human being playing that, that game. Um, right. A- Amby, if you want to jump in here, because um, you and I, we were both currently well just finishing up really a game where you and i were playing against the bots and i found it really interesting in that there was um there was that human element and i went and we and both ambi and i went yeah let, let's attack the bots together because they're bots and we and it, it, it's worked out terribly for both of us um ambi yeah, so um, I don't know, um, PW and JMO, whether you've been watching our, our test game. So I've just sent you through the, um, the test game link for where we're both playing at the moment. So in this particular game, uh, Kana drew France and I got uh, England. And we did exactly that. We decided to um, you know, collaborate from the, from, from the get-go, expecting the bots to, um, to be difficult and really had no idea how difficult they would be. Um, they just... Um, we started making some early gains, I think, Kaner, but um, it very, very quickly it became obvious that um, those those bots were actually working together. Um, so in, in our game, Russia and, and Germany are clearly embarking on their own strategy just to mm-hmm. um, wipe us out. And in the meantime, Italy, after destroying Turkey, um, kind of swings around to start you know, attacking Kana as well. And I think we've actually reached a point in this game where we haven't kind of you know, finalised it and drawn a line underneath it, but I cannot see a way that we can come back on this because the bots are just so so hard to play um the only thing i'd kind of would love to see is um you know that that potential for you know the russian bot to stab the german bot or something like that um we've got the austrian bot uh trying to attack the uh the russian bot but 
not really kind of getting anywhere. So, and I guess this all comes down to one thing I had a question of um, PW and JMO, and that's to what extent, you know, if it's looking at just like the, the memory of the game year before, to what extent is it actually thinking about the game years in the future? Is there is there actual strategy, if I could call it that, built into the um, uh, that, that machine um, learning aspect of how they play the game? So it's hard to say that they have strategy the way we, a human, would think of strategy. However, uh, the supervised learning learning bot is imitating what people would do in those situations, and those people presumably had strategies. And the reinforcement learning bot is trying to figure out what to do to win. And so you could argue that it has strategy, even if that strategy isn't explainable necessarily in terms a human would understand. And I'm actually looking at these support numbers again. The supervised learning one actually does better. It doesn't give as many cross supports, but uh, 10% of its cross supports, as opposed to 5%, are effective, which is actually better than human gumbo players do. So if you take a game and ha- with seven supervised learning bots, uh, 7.4% of its support of the supports will be given to other powers, and of that 7.4%, 10% of them are successful. Whereas for humans, only 7.7% of their cross-power supports are successful, which is uh, pretty impressive, actually. Yeah. Um, So using our game at the moment, we've got a situation where I had three fleets in Edinburgh, London, and English Channel trying to support uh, London into the North Sea. So uh, three fleets um, trying to do that. Whilst mm-hmm. Germany was doing the same from Holland, Heligoland, Bight, and Denmark, so I'm kind of expecting there a bounce effectively. Uh, meanwhile, the Russian fleet in Norway decides to support um, the Heligoland Bight into North Sea, which is interesting. The fact that you know that that bot worked out to do exactly what you said, you know, support and and, and collaborate with the other bot. The thing that I find interesting though is with this being gunboat essentially is to what extent the Russian bot actually knew the Heligoland was the attacking unit. Maybe it did because it looked back at the last, you know, um, 12 months worth of, or 12 months, yeah, like two turns of, of the game to work out, okay, that's where he's attacking. I don't from. think it looks back two turns. I think it just looks back one turn. Okay. So Now, the reason that I would suspect that the bot was able to work that out is because if you break down the game tactically um, in a way that other people playing the game probably have in the past, the most likely place to move that from is that fleet. Uh, the fleet in Denmark, and we'll have to link this game in the, in the description that you guys do so everyone okay. can see what we're talking about, Um the fleet in Denmark is pretty clearly not going to move because it's holding a supply center um, against the border with Sweden. So that doesn't make a ton of sense as a tactical placement. And then the one in Holland, again, is you know being used for uh, supporting hold. So 
when you're looking at it tactically and what people have probably done historically throughout games, that's the fleet that makes the most sense to move. And the bots are using the optimal moves in their decision logic to a large extent. So seeing it accurately guess this is probably why the bots actually have a better um, successful foreign support ratio than human players do in Gunboat. Um, I did notice that as you guys were playing, and I was particularly happy to see that successful support from Russia there. So on that one, I'm interested about, you think about how this these bots are working together. Um, are they, for lack of a better word, are they looking back at all these various games, that have, you know, the 150,000 games, looking at in this scenario where this bot happens to be playing Germany and its units are in this location and um, another player is up in Russia doing something and another player in England's doing something, is it drawing from that 150,000 games to make a decision about what suits that German bot best to win? Uh, or is it literally it's just kind of worked it out through that whole machine learning of, of looking at how things have, have transpired over time? Does that question make sense? Uh, I'm not sure I understand the difference we're trying to get at. So how about, how about I say it? I'll try to say it another way. So um, the way that the bots work, are they looking at that whole record of 150,000 games and making a decision that in this scenario um, it goes back and goes, okay, well, the, the um, this exact same scenario has occurred maybe five times before in 150,000 games. And where the German bot is seeing that scenario happen, it goes mathematically, the best chance of doing this is for me to send, um, you know, four, sorry, basically use those units to attack North Sea from Heligoland Bight and, and, you know, that's an 80% chance to work if, if Russia supports. Is it drawing upon that sample set to decide or is it actually um, somehow rather learnt that that is the logical way that things are going to potentially be most advantageous? So it's kind of a tricky question. What I can say is at runtime, the boss do not explicitly look back through all those games. So the hope is that during training, you've learned a mapping from the board state and the previous moves that encode and then that encodes relevant information that the decoder can then use to come up with a strategy for your orders that hopefully uh, gives you moves that advance your position. Now, whether it's doing that or memorizing previous board states or something else is very hard to say because these are very complicated models that are very difficult to analyze and explain in these kind of simple human simple to human ways does that make sense yeah yeah it it, it does uh, i guess where i'm kind of going with this and and we talked about this last time around when we tried to record is that whole uh concept of skynet so to speak you know, that the bots are going to be able to take over the world if they develop up enough sophistication in their own um, thinking and analysis versus, you know, a more dumb, if I can put it that way, environment of just drawing upon, you know, um, statistically what's the most likely chance that this is going to, you know, result in a win versus actually thinking about it and coming up with a, a logic. Yeah, so the parameters probably encode some sort of logic, 
but it's kind of like I mean, we sometimes we make human ex- logic seem pretty simple, but it's really not, right? If I were to go up to a human player and ask them to explain how they got from the board state to, to their moves, they might come up with a nice, pretty explanation. Sure. But if I wanted to understand an app, what are their neurons doing? That's going to be really hard to do. That's, that understanding is pretty difficult. And that's when you try to understand what the neural network is doing. It's almost like going to your fellow player and asking how their neurons calculated the moves they wrote down, which would probably get you some pretty funny looks at any face-to-face game. The difference is, of course, that your human player has the general intelligence to then be able to come up with a post-hoc explanation for what they did, whereas the bots cannot do that. So this this kind of reminds me of um, Arthur C. C. Clarke's um, quote, any sufficiently advanced technology is indistinguishable from magic. And to me, a lot of that just sounds like magic. You know, it's like, wow, it works. You know, this, that that's... That's so cool. Um, so, so this this question is actually um, a bit for for JMO here, um, and I'm I'm just wondering, um, well, two things: um, will will all the bots be named the same name? Um, let's say you're you're testing it out, and you've got six other bots. Will they all have the same bot name? Um, and the second part of that question is um, how 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 do you expect human players um, as a whole to respond to this 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 new AI player that sits in in the web dip space? Are players going to get better at it? You know that sort of stuff at the game. Yeah, so right now we have the bots named Kestispot uh, 1 through 6 or 7. I'll probably be changing those names to some popular, um, you know, sci-fi and television and gaming uh, bots. So probably the Jane from maybe Ender's Game, probably Star Trek themed bot. Um, You know, give people a chuckle once or twice uh, when they start the bot games. Now the second question of how will people take to the bots that's the really interesting one and i suspect that a lot of people will take to them uh like yourself uh like you two did where you kind of go okay you know i'll give this a go um and probably end up getting thoroughly demolished in the first game uh, because you're not quite Mm -hmm. expecting to have to give a serious thought to it like you would a normal um skilled competitor now after that point i suspect you're going to see some people trying to learn how to game the bots and that is difficult for some of the reasons that pw described in that the bots how they make their decision is pretty hard if not impossible to backtrack um i coded the bots into the system and i need pw on this call to explain how they work because I can't give as good of an explanation as he did. I understand what they do. I understand um, 
what they will do in the game in terms of, yes, they'll fulfill orders, yes, they'll accommodate me rolling back the game, yes, they'll vote pause, etc. But as to what moves will the bot do in a given scenario, it's black magic to me um, as well. So if I can't break it down and analyze it, I really doubt anyone else is going to be able to, um, considering I've been working with them for a couple months now and have unmitigated access to them and their code. Uh, so that that's kind of the really cool part about it is they should present um, a consistent challenge to players. It shouldn't be something that you'll be able to solve. Uh, definitely on the classic map, it's possible that the France versus Austria and Germany versus Italy versions, those might be um, a little less um, consistently uh, good opponents just because they're not trained on that variant. So there may be a little more solving that some really skilled players can do. Um, on those variants, I do expect someone like uh, Zorix, who's just demolished uh, the web dip competition on one versus one games to be able to beat the bots uh, fairly consistently, but they should still provide a decent challenge for your average player. Um, yeah. Um, one thing, I, I don't know, this is, this is, I'm just misinterpreting what's been said, but let's say we're talking about the Kestis bot. Let's say it's Kestis bot one, there's another bot called Jane or whatever like that. Every single time a game starts, does that bot, recall what it's previously done or again it comes just down to um you know the previous that turn and that's it that's it like does it actually develop an understanding over time can it develop a personality so that the kestis bot always is more aggressive and jane is just far more likely to be you know throwing support or uh, and kind of develops or is it literally every single time it's rebooted and it just happens to share the same name um in that particular so game so to All explain the how these uh, bots kind of work is in the behind the scenes, um, the bots send out a signal to the university server and go, hey, this is the game state. Feed me orders. And they all talk to the same server. So behind the scenes, all of these bots are identical. They're all reaching out to the same university server uh, right now and going, give me orders. This is, this is the current game state. So that's how that works. So there is no potential for them to uh, split off in their decision-making process currently. Um, one of the things we are looking to do as a future state is have the possibility of maybe two or three different skill levels for the bots. Now that's going to be further ahead in the future where we might be able to take the bot gameplay once it goes live and use that to retrain an even smarter model that will uh, be extraordinarily competitive to the point that it should be a challenge for the top five, 10 players on the site. Um, right now the bots are not self-training. So they have been trained, and that is the status they are at. They are not learning from each completed game that they play on web diplomacy. Um, and then I did forget a point or two of the future state in my initial explanation. So let me hit those up real quick. Um, coming in the next couple months, we're also going to be uh, releasing the bots to be able to enter orders for players who are in CD in all games on the site. Now we're going to add a flag to exclude games from this, and it'll only apply to gunboat games as is. 
but for tournaments or for games with an exclude flag, it will not interfere with them at all. But for other games, if someone is in civil disorder and the phase is about to go through and there's no orders, the bot will place orders in that game on behalf of the player. So it will not replace the player. You will still be able to take over that position just like normal for that player. Um, but the bot will reach out, put in orders. We'll probably post a message in the game going, uh, Kestis bot has entered orders on behalf of Ambi, just so people know that, you know, Ambi was in civil disorder, the bot entered the orders there. Um, we're excited for that feature, but there's going to be a lot more uh, testing and integration on that part. So that's why that's going to be live after the initial launch. Um, and it should be a really nice perk for live game players, especially where civil disorders are a bit more common. And this will ensure that when you go to take over a game, the game, the position hasn't been negatively impacted, even if a phase or two has gone by without anyone taking it over. Uh, so we're super excited for that. And then just as a note for the actual go live in about a week now, there's a chance that we end up having um, some problems with the number of users. So we do have um, some solutions in place for that. And they are optimized uh, to submit orders for the games that are closest to processing, etc. So that's where I mentioned earlier, on average, the bots submit orders within one to five seconds. But if we have, you know, two, three thousand people all starting two or three bot games at once, we might see times like 30 seconds to a minute instead. Uh, so those were just some of the other points I wanted to hit on. I'm actually interested in it. I really think it's a fantastic uh, opportunity to change the way that the whole NMRs and CD process works so that, yeah, you can fill a spot automatically because so often obviously as you guys know within a game uh that just means it's such a so so much more of an advantage for anybody um bordering that territory because they usually just go in and just gobble up you know those supply centers and this actually presents a real challenge um i liked your analogy that you know the the kester spot might fill it in for ambi but in the process I think it actually would probably do much better than than my own gameplay. So that becomes a, a bit more of a challenge, I think, for anybody playing um, playing the game. Um, so, but one thing you also said during all that, JMO, was that the data set as it currently is is that's it. You know what I mean? You're not actually adding to the data set as the game goes by. Is that correct? Yep, that's correct. So the bots have been trained, and they're not getting. Um, the university server is not taking the game state data as it's sent in by the bots and retraining the bots with that new data. Now, we are going to look into the potential of, at a certain point, stopping collecting all the new bot games on web diplomacy and seeing if we can train an even better model to have a, well, not quite easy, but um, intermediate level bot as what we have now versus a top skill bot as a secondary option to uh, possibly give people uh, more of a challenge if they're looking for it. We're especially interested in doing that with some of the 1v1 games. Um, there are enough, or there's a decent number of 1v1 games that have been played, maybe not enough to have a super skilled bot, but hopefully enough that if we uh, trained the bots uh, 
two new bots solely on France versus Austria and Germany versus Italy that it'd be able to offer just as competitive gameplay as we see in the classic games right now. Um, so this is a question because um, it was just mentioned a bit earlier that um, you know after the initial rollout, you're looking at ways to have the bots jump in to take over for CD players, um, et cetera, et cetera. But more along the lines of after the rollout, the whole year as a whole, um, will the bots be free to access by other sites? Um, how how does that picture into the grander scheme for either Peter Wigan and Jamo? Yeah, so the bot code will be uh, open source uh, as part of the requirements for the university uh, paper publications. It has to be available for their work to be analyzed um, by their peers. And then to go along with that, it will be available um, for uh, VDIP if they wanted to start using that. I did reach out to Ollie and Toby about two weeks ago now and haven't heard anything back. Um, but I imagine at some point they're going to be interested in getting the bot integrated on V diplomacy. So the bot is very strongly geared in terms of the way it was developed to work with web diplomacy um, and the web diplomacy code base. The way we, um, you know, kind of process games is very specific and it's not the same way that uh, the sites like Backstabber and Play Diplomacy process their games. So anyone else outside of the WebDip code base would be facing some major uh, hurdles if they wanted to be able to integrate the bot in any sense um, because it is an open source uh, university project. It will have uh, some general license protections about being able to be taken and used for profit. So no sites will be able to lock it behind a paywall for their users, um, you know, which we are very happy with. You know, we strongly believe that the open source code base is one of the best parts of web diplomacy and of the diplomacy community in general. Um, so we definitely want to keep that ad free, free to play for users, um, you know, very strongly there. So eventually it's possible that other sites might be able to use the bot, um, but they're definitely going to have some major developmental hurdles to get through in order to do that. You mentioned earlier on, JMO, that the um, all the games involving bots are, are unranked, um, which, is, which is fine, but Diplomacy players being diplomacy players, some of whom are very, very competitive. Uh, do you feel that, oh, sorry, the way things have been architected, can it support theoretically, um, you know, separate league tables, for lack of a better word, um, for players who actually want to be maybe, you know, playing competitively against each other and seeing how they go up against bots? Is that possible at a technical level? Um. Yeah, it is possible. We would have to do a bit more work to make them work from a point standpoint in anything outside of unranked games. Um, but even with unranked games, you know, we've held some tournaments that the games are unranked. So we can still offer competitive um, competition with the bots between other players. Um, I've been working 
with the knowledge that the bots were coming for long enough that some of my development on the excused missed turns with Toby and my development with Squigs on the tournaments was done with the bots in mind so that it would eventually be able to accommodate them. Um, so that's why the excuse misturns kind of really smoothly integrate into the bot structure. And that that's why um, we'll be able to offer tournament competitions with uh, bot games very easily with the tournament structure set up. So we should definitely be offer, able to offer some competition. We're also going to be eventually adding in a new stat section. So currently the bots... Um, the bot games do not factor into the different stat breakdowns on your profile, except for the all games stat. So that stat, obviously, all games should include bot games. But your classic diplomacy games will not include classic bot diplomacy games. So we'll be making a new stat structure to um, reflect how good you are against bots at some point. Excellent. Um the other thing I just wanted to talk about, and actually I'll send you guys a quick link, is my own game that I'm playing at the moment on just a, um, uh, without Kana, this is just me against the bots. And this is a game now that's made it to 1914, which seems quite advanced in a game, but, um, and I don't know if you guys have been watching this, I've basically put in the same set of orders for about five or six years now. Uh, I'm playing uh, as Russia in this particular game, and what I've kind of basically worked out is provided I keep putting in the same orders, the bots keep responding the same type of way. So uh, at the moment, I've got like a uh, an army in Romania, a fleet in Sevastopol, and, and I'm just, you know, support holding there. The, the Turks are support holding Black Sea in Bulgaria. Austrians are support holding Budapest in Serbia. Um, the, I'm at war basically with Germany and with France and um, basically I, I've kind of pre-guessed what they're going to do so I've kind of put in what, what the response is and they're not second-guessing me and even to the extent at the moment where if they uh, notice that look in the, in the Berent Sea I've got a fleet there which is support holding Norway and both Germany and um, France are simultaneously trying to take Norway uh, with Germany doing so from Sweden and, and Skagerrak and France trying to do so from Norwegian Sea and North Sea. The fact that at the same time, the French player, the French bot and the German bot uh, are clearly working together because the French player could walk straight into Holland at any stage that it wants to and chooses not to tends to make me think, okay, they're an alliance, but they don't seem to be smart enough to work out, okay, you know, the, the German player is trying to do this. Uh, I, I, this comes down to that, that point you raised early, earlier on, guys, which was in the, in the beginning of the game, you know, the bots are incredibly hard. The mid-game, they're still pretty difficult, but as the game kind of progresses further on, some of that um, logic and decision-making degrades a little bit. Is the example that I'm kind of talking about here, is that a, you know, a, a case study, so to speak, of once you get to a certain point and it's drawing upon its intelligence and what it's actually been taught as part of its training, it just gets to a point that it goes, okay, well, this is what I think I need to do, and it doesn't seem to work out, okay, if I keep doing that, the human player is going to keep doing that and it's just going to be stalemated time and time and time again. So there's definitely scenarios where we have seen the bots doing this and looking at your game here. Um, it is likely at a point where 
it won't change. Now, there is the possibility um, that one of the countries will at some point change and attack one of the others, which will shift the game. Um, but this is also why we have set it so that the bots will agree to auto-draw when you vote draw as long as they are not winning. Um, now, in this case, because France has the most supply centers, it would go, okay, I'm not going to agree to draw. But then if I go back for game year or for game turns, I see that the same set of moves has been going on for long enough that the bot would go, okay, I haven't made progress. I will agree to draw. Um, I'll let PW in a second go into more of the actual bot reasoning. But yeah, this is something that you can, from time to time, expect to see, especially in the later game, so, where so you're going to get to a point where you can advance and the bot is not going to be smart enough to advance. So at a practical level, if, if this was a, a scenario where you know anyone who's playing WebDip gets to this point playing the bots... If they click draw, and based on that that example we talked about before, the game should actually draw without too much of a problem. Everyone will agree to the draw. Yep. Yep. If you clicked the draw button right now, the game would end. Okay. Almost instantaneously. And can can I just jump in here for you, um, Ambie? Why 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 not play with it? Why not move Silesia to Bohemia and just see if you know one unit being in a different position alters the whole order balance just out of out of interest um yeah look you, you're right that's probably the only order i can probably change short of you know doing something crazy in romania or sebastopol um yeah i, I suppose i suppose for the sake of the do you want me to give it a go now and see what happens <laughs> <laughs> you guys keep talking and i'll i'll do that and let's see what happens hey yeah. Uh, yep. So, uh, PW, do you want to explain a bit? Here, yeah, what's probably happened here is this position is unique enough that everybody's probably all the, the sorry all the bots running the same same model in the back. So the situation has probably only come up once or twice in the training, and so because there isn't enough data, it's essentially memorized the moves that it saw when it last saw something, anything like this. And it's very, very confident that those were the right moves to do here. And it's just decided when it outputs the probabilities for moves, the probabilities for anything else must just be so small that they never come up. And as I said earlier, that's likely because a data set doesn't have enough examples of something like this. Okay, so I've just moved to Bohemia. Um, all the usual moves are, are exactly the same. So I'll, I'll now try to invade Vienna with Bohemia and see what happens there. Um, but we can probably talk about that a little bit later. Um, one thing, actually, that I, I just want to give um, some feedback as a predominantly VDIP player. Uh, and Kainer and I talked about this separately, is we've tended to got, got very, very used to the interactive map 
order interface that's available in VDIP that obviously is not there within WebDIP. Um, within WebDIP, you just got your drop-down menus to be able to put in your orders. As opposed to VDIP, you can do that. Or you can, in most cases with the map, just literally do a point and click, which I think is also something similar to what PlayDIP does as well, but in a totally different code, obviously. Um, as a question, is there any plans at WebDIP to introduce a interactive map um, order interface at some stage? Uh, yep, I definitely have the plan there. Um, Toby has uh, created a Git um, branch that would have most of the code exclusive to the point and click. Um, it is a larger change, so it's something where I would have to go through and make sure that the code is clean, that it's not going to cause any problems, um, and that it's smoothly written. Um, I have not played around enough on VDIP with the code, but I would definitely want it to be something where during any given turn, you can point and click or use the dropdowns. And I'm not positive if that's something that's currently available on VDIP. Um, but it, this is something that we'll probably have integrated within the next year at the latest. Okay, cool. Very cool. Um, I, I've kind of continued with my moves. I've moved my, I've put in exactly the same set of um, orders elsewhere. Everything else is still going exactly the same way. The only thing I've changed is I've now moved Bohemia to, to Vienna and uh, successfully been able to um, grab Vienna in spring. So it'll be interesting now um, whether it'll allow me to retain Vienna or not or whether Austria changes its gameplay because at the moment it's holding um, Italy up in Venice, which is obviously preventing France from moving further across the board. So it's it's interesting how things some things change and some things are different. Um, so I've um, we've talked around a lot of things. We've obviously talked about classic and and the fact that this is also going to be made available on, on WebDIP on on France versus Austria and Germany versus Italy. Uh, is there a, whilst the initial offering is, is clearly in that classic map, is there a sample size large enough, you know, maybe like ancient Mediterranean or something to consider as a future map, or is that just more a suck it and see type of thing for the future? Yeah, so the sample size for ancient med, I don't know how many have been played on WebDip, but it's also not as big of a map and not as many players, obviously. So I suspect that you could probably train an okay bot from our data. Almost any 11, other eleven thousand games. So one tenth the size, but it's probably enough to get something that works okay. Any of the other variants, though, I would be very hesitant. Especially some of the more involved variants, like world or modern. Is, is that due to um, the amount of territories on those maps uh, versus play size, or is it play size only? Uh, both. So, and okay. the lack of games for those, too. Right. Um, I'm using a bot that plays something like shift left or shift right or chaos. Yeah, chaos would be fantastic. Yeah. Um, I've, I've only really got one more question that I 
asked um, at the last interview, um, and that's got to do with um, the communication. How is is there any scope there for the bots to look at some sort of truncated communication tree for press games? I mean, if you look at the paper, they definitely talk about how looking at communication is a thing that would be awesome to do. Whether we have enough data to do this uh, is kind of an open question, and it would be a whole other project to do a bot that can look at communication and send communication and then take all that into account when choosing its orders. Te uh, technically, it's definitely possible. Yeah, and to add on to that, um, I know the university has considered a follow-up project around um, a press interface. So we'll be, you know, keeping an eye out for is that something that they do want to continue to pursue? Um, is that something where we would able be able to provide, um, you know, press data that has been sent already? but under a non-disclosure agreement that would protect users' information in an anonymized format. Um, there's a lot to consider from that standpoint of, you know, how would we do this in a realistic and kind of, you know, privacy-oriented way. Um, now, the other interesting part of that is with, um, it's not just the types of press, right? It's what would the sample size look at? And there's such a variance in terms of uh, press styles that uh, I think we mentioned in the last interview, we, um, the amount of press that has been sent probably just isn't suitable. I think we would need like hundreds of times more messages to have been sent on the site because you have some people like... Um, you know, Mad Marks or um, Balky or, you know, myself who send paragraphs of text at a time, but then you have some people who send single sentences or yes or no in response to an alliance agreement. So trying to sort out how the bot would respond to these different press styles would be really difficult to do. And unlike the gunboat version where you don't have to tailor your play style to the bot at all. I think we would have to have players come into these um, press games with the understanding that they would have to be tailoring their messages to the bots really significantly. And that would probably take away a bit from the overall effect of what we're trying to accomplish, which is a really smooth integration. And, and I guess you also have the additional, um, uh, ethical dilemma if i could put it that way that as if you start developing up some type of um, ability for the bot to communicate even in the most simplistic form if it could do so uh, it's then also learning theoretically that um, in certain circumstances you can lie and you can still win uh, which again kind of obviously leads itself to uh, you know various people worrying about uh, skynet and, and so forth so um, probably best left alone for the moment <laughs> Yeah, I really have no desire to uh, to teach a bot that lying to humans is the, the right thing to do. <laughs> I, I could see a few ways that could go wrong. Yeah, yeah. I, th I think you don't, you don't want that on your epitaph. 
Yeah, probably not the best resume item. Oh yeah, I just you know created a bot that destroys the world. Knows to destroy humanity. <laughs> um, I've by we've the way, are, oh, sorry, you go. We've already created poker playing bots, which bluff and so I guess it don't explicitly lie yet. True, true. Um, just as a, a matter of interest, I kind of continued on with that, that game and uh, Austria ended up kicking me out of Vienna, which is what I expected, which meant that it broke its hold of Italy and Venice, which means that France picked up another supply centre. So that, that's kind of the scenario I expected to occur if I deviated from script from what my previous orders were. But it's interesting to know that, yeah, those changes are, are starting to take place. Um, I've pretty much got no further questions. Kainor, what about yourself? No, just uh, thank you guys so much for um, agreeing to re-interview on this particular, um, well, time time zone. I, I recognise it's um, probably getting a bit late for you guys. Yeah, um, yeah. thank you for having us and, uh, you know, giving us the opportunity to come back um, pretty soon after my last interview and talk about the bots. So that, it was cool to do. Yes, I, th I, think, I think our web dip players will be very, very happy to have you back on. I think in the last um, forum post, they were, some of them were complaining how, how infrequently we get to talk about web dips. So the fact that you're back um, only, what, two or three episodes after the last one, I think is, is great, J-Mo. Um, and thank Sometimes you. Sometimes you've got to be careful to teach our forum members that complaining gets results, though. <laughs> yeah, please, <laughs> dangerous please don't teach them that. <laughs> well, this this one this one was something that you did kind of uh, mention after our last interview. You said, "Okay, is the recorder off?" And we went, "Yes, it is off." And then he said, "Okay, this is what's coming up." So um, we did we did happen to know that this was likely to be coming down the pipeline. Um, so talking about the coming down the pipeline, you talked about this theoretically or, or likely to be going live on would be well, no, I was going to Friday the thirteenth of September. Um, in, in the US time. So if we kind of work towards getting the podcast out on the same date, um, then hopefully everything should be right and people will be hearing about this in, in real time as it pops up in their um, web diplomacy feed. Yeah, it, it should be pretty cool. We're really excited about it. Um, I think it's probably the biggest um, offering that's been presented on our site um, since it was launched. So it's a really cool, uh, really cool thing to have going. Do you do you see like a, a separate forum thread or something being created over in WebDip for people to provide their comment and and any thoughts around how it works and operates and how to improve it? Yeah, um, we'll probably have that available where uh, we're looking to you know get people's general feedback on the bot or experience playing it. Um, one thing we don't want to do is set expectations that we'll be able to make instant changes to the bot's behavior. Like in the uh, game scenario that uh, Ambi was just describing there, because as PW explained, um, understanding why the bot is doing what it's doing is damn near impossible. So being able to make instant changes to get expected behavior can be very difficult. Um, it almost reminds me of the video game No Man's Sky, which was the open world video game that basically was dynamically and mathematically generating worlds. And the developers in that mentioned that the game got to the point where when they made a change to one species, 
the game learned from it and propagated that change to hundreds of other species. So even the developers at that point didn't fully understand um, what their changes would do. That's about where we're going to be at with making some tweaks to the bots, where if we're trying to get a specific result, we don't know what else that's going to impact. So we'll have to watch over the long term and see how is it performing? Are there any overarching areas that we need to try and address? Cool. Okay, well, we might just wrap things up then. Cool. Thanks for having us. No, yeah, thanks thank very you. much, Jamo. Thanks very much, Peter Wigan, PW. Um, and um, yeah, look forward to seeing how other one, how everyone kind of um, interacts and, and plays with the bots. Uh, I think it's a great development. It's a very, very exciting development. And um, I tell you what, as somebody who's played uh, now two bot games, they're bloody difficult. So <laughs> good luck to anybody <laughs> playing them. <laughs> thank you, guys. Thank you. And we're back. Oh, yeah, we're back. Cheers. Fuck. She's almost spilled that. <laughs> well. Well. Hey. Well, indeed. So, if we've timed things right, this podcast is being released hopefully the day that the bot functionality comes out on WebDip. And the diplomacy world and the hobby will... Well, fall apart. Fall apart with excitement. <laughs> No, I was going to say fall apart because everyone gets their answers handed to them by the robots, just like we did. So I think oh we said before God. we started, yeah. uh, the, just before we int- introduced the interview, uh, we were going to hold off on how we went. I went terrible. I got I got absolutely slaughtered on my um, my individual bot round. Yeah. Um, and us combined got slaughtered on our um, combined bot round. Um, Although you sort of reached the stalemate line and, stuff, and got to a position where you were kind of playing around. Oh, in my single game. In yeah. single game. Yeah. yeah. I basically got to a point where, as we discussed in that particular interview, normally you'd probably consider that a stalemate line and it would draw. Mind you, the, 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 the bots in some ways weren't doing some clever moves. They could have changed their moves and had a far more effective outcome. Yep. So the fact that both Germany and... Um, sorry, I was playing Russia, wasn't I? Both Germany... You're playing England in our... No, no, you're playing Russia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I was playing Russia and I was in Norway and I had Germany attacking me from both Sweden and Skagerrak and England attacking me from both Norwegian Sea and North Sea. Yeah. And after about... Like, if you were dealing with a normal players, humans, after about five game years of doing the same thing over and over and over again... Yeah, they'll try something different, Even in an actual (laughs) gunboat environment, you'd expect at some point they'd go... Oh, fuck it. This is never going to get through. I'll help you. I'll throw you some love. And clearly they were working together in a theoretical bot sense because um, England could have easily went straight into, I think it was uh, Holland at the time. That was open and it was Germany's. Never did. Yeah, yeah, well, it's just like that that logic loop. Yeah, yeah. It's just what J-Mo was saying. You know, they they start doing some dumber stuff towards... You know the mid towards the end game, yeah. Um, but that, that early game, man, that was cruel. Oh, yeah. And of course, we'll link to the show notes in uh, in the show notes to yep. these games. Yep. Um, and the paper. But I, honestly, you know, I'm going to use it as training for myself. Like, I I, I first thought, okay, because I've played around with AI with diplomacy back in the day, like 
um, some of that procedural rules-based stuff that Peter Wiggins was talking about. There was some bots that were developed. Yeah. Um, and I did play that um, computer game. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I just tried and I thought, oh, that's just shit. You know? Yep. Um, so I was expecting something like that, to be perfectly honest. Like, we're actually, I was, I was expecting to enter into a kind of a newbie game where the bot was kind of... Um, you know, like playing like a new player, not played it before, but instead I ended up like ended up playing against like cutthroat. You are really playing you're playing to, you're playing, playing against, against the top board at WCC really, <laughs> weren't you? I was playing against the really oh, not, not not the top board, but maybe like, you know the you know, the semi semi finals. Yeah, you know, yeah, like, yeah. They they were pretty good. So um, and I think I mentioned in the interview at one stage I went into the game expecting and planning to work with you for us to cream the bots but in doing so stab you and see how how actually then the relationship would go with the bots partnering up seeing I'd stabbed another player never happened never no, got the opportunity the chance. because <laughs> even when we were effectively metagaming we went in there with a predetermined alliance theoretically although we could have we, as I yeah, said yeah, I actually yeah, did yeah. plan to stab and I never did no, but, but it's, it's not like okay so there's that moral dilemma is, is metagaming against bots actually metagaming oh great question <laughs> I mean <laughs> I mean you're getting any points from it you know you're getting experience from it yeah it's, kind, mean, it's, it's, it's <laughs> kind of like something else isn't it <laughs> that's another question <laughs> entirely yeah. um, again we don't want to turn this R-rated but um well, I found it really interesting though, like straight away, like two human players yep. against a game of bots, it was so easy to go, yep, come on, let's join up and attack the bots, let's see yeah. what we can do. Um, as these bots, as, as I think the community gets more used to the bots, we're going to see some really interesting combinations of game types. Yeah. Yeah, don't you think? Yeah, absolutely. Like you, you'll get some, um, okay guys, we're going to go England, Russia, Italy against the bots see if we can do it we're going to go um, let's go try some of the classic combinations Russia Turkey against the bots can we do it you know let's yeah. try the western triple against the rest can yeah. we do it yeah. you know like I, I, I think oh just like but the mind starts thinking of all these possibilities now that we've got really good players who can drop in that are emotionless that don't care if that you're working together against them from the start yep yeah um I'm really fascinated to see how the community reacts, what the community does with this really, like it's a strong, it's a fantastic tool that's been developed by the University of Montreal Mm -hmm. and, you know, like a big, big hats off to everyone at WebDip there on the, in the admin team who have just facilitated this to happen because it's just so exciting to see what Oh, it's goes. incredible. It's incredible. Um, the, the other thing I felt about this, I thought about this, but I didn't really get a chance to explore it with JMO and, and PW as much as I wanted to. In fact, I never did it at all. Was, I thought, is one of the reasons that bots do so well, I know why I didn't actually do it, because the way that PW explained the way the training module works it kind of got me a bit confused because, you know, I'm a simple man. Um, but what I was thinking was maybe the way these bots do so well out of the gate is because, obviously, they're looking against statistically at what works best. And probably where that happens is where 
Okay, go back to the original data set. The original data sets are people playing people. Usually, not always, but also um, doing so with normal full press and communication. Well, okay, yeah, I hear what you're saying. Um, having said that, like our test games, I played Russia, you played Russia. Yep. Um, having said that, in your game, you opened up exactly the same way as I opened up. Yep. However, in your game, Germany let you into Sweden. In yeah. my game, he bounced me in Sweden. Yeah, and, and this is probably why so, I didn't ask the question because the way and, PW explained that, I thought, eh, I shouldn't yeah, have So there's that room for variation in how they open. So you're never going to get... Well, you might get a series of games where you play bots and they open up very same-same. Yeah. But there's variation in that same-same. Like they will change their patterns Absolutely. But according what, but, to how but, other bots have opened up. Correct, correct. But my yep. point is... Is the bot thinking about and going back over all those data sets? And let's say the computer says, okay, Germany, let Ambi into Sweden in game one. And in game two, it doesn't, okay? But it's probably looking at, as a bot, it's looking at how it's played, how all those games have played, and making decisions based around that. And a lot of those decisions would have been made on the basis of great diplomacy players communicating with other great diplomacy players to get an outcome. So they're actually drawing on data where people have spoken to each other, come up with plans, and the computer's doing that without actually talking to each other. You're right. We didn't get to ask whether or not the data that was supplied was pure gunboat data, or if it was data full stop yeah. from all types of um, games. So that's, yep. that was a good question that we didn't ask. Yep. Yep. It would have would have been good. I mean, like what, one and a half thousand. No, 150,000. 150,000 games. 150,000 games supplied by WebDip, plus other games which were scraped off yeah. the net. I reckon it would have had to um, include Gunboat in that mix. It had to include it in the mix, yeah. yeah. Anyway. Still, wow. Yeah, and, so and I, I can't wait to you know for this to go live, what, in a couple of days now? Yeah, from when we're recording, yeah. From when we're recording and well, when this gets released, so... Yeah, super excited about it. I mean, this is the type of thing that, like, if you're a web dip player, you are just going to be jumping straight into a bot game right now <laughs> and just loading up on bot games. And honestly, if you're a V-dip player, if you're a play-dip player, if you're a backstabber player, it doesn't matter what you are. You'd want to be jumping on the web dip. Go to web dip. Yeah. If you don't have an account, create one, log in, just give it a go and just see what the experience is like because... This is a totally different paradigm again. This, to me, this is kind of like... Okay, I think we've talked about this before, where the reason I kind of moved towards variants was I got bored of Classic. Yeah, okay? yes, And now yeah. we're playing more face-to-face because it's something... Not, it's not like online's boring, but it's a new novelty because we haven't done it for so long. Yeah. This is a new novelty now for everybody. Yeah. Because yeah, nobody yeah. has played the bots. Except, well, you except know, like a half a dozen people. people. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it, it's a it's a whole new world, as you say. It's yep. a whole new level of what you can do with. It. I, I just I, I'm just super excited. I, I, I'm just blowing my top. I mean, I love I love how there was like there's there's further scope for development along the line. Yeah. You know, I love how 
you know, I've, I've loved thinking of, like, we don't know what the names of the bots are yet, but I'm hoping I'm seeing, like, a Wally and a, and a Termabot and a, I don't know. Like, uh, I thought actually what would have been good names would have been based around, obviously, who the, like, that, you know, a Kaiser and a Tsar and, I don't know. Or, or a Cowhammerbot or... A, yeah, a Cowhammerbot, that's a great that idea. That would be lovely, you know. Yeah, that's a good, that would be a good hat tip. That, that would be, yeah. Um... You know, or, just to, oh. or what they could do, like even within WebDiv, presumably the code they could change all the time. So like maybe you have the bots named after whoever's the current... Oh, the top ten. Yeah, no, <laughs> no that'd be confusing. <laughs> but like who's like the name of the, whoever's currently, you know, world number one in Dipcon or, or WDC or as Nexus or something like that. And that's part of the winning, <laughs> as part of winning, say, part of, the prize part of winning, winning Nexus yeah, yeah. is you get a bot named after you for 12 months. Oh, how cool. Yeah, what a great idea. <laughs> I love that idea. And then you, or every time the tournament happens, because I think it happens, you know, two or three tournaments a year. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, and the other one is that there's scope for um, some minor variants on with those bots, like France versus Austria yeah. type ones, where they're playing, So, but that's further down the line, right? No, 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 the way I understood it, I thought that was going live at the same time. Oh, that's even better. Like, I, mean, I thought it was, I might be wrong, so if I'm wrong, just, you know... Blame it on the average. It's going to come sometime yeah. soon. yeah. Um, but then they were talking a little bit more that, yeah. potentially about ancient med, maybe because like the data set there was nowhere near as big. It's like only about a tenth of the size, but yeah, it was still large. But ancient med's got less of a less territories to yeah. have to worry about, less connections. Less, yeah, right? less. So yeah. There's but potential. There was still fifteen hundred games in ancient med that were available just in web dip. There's probably another couple of hundred over in vdip. So it's a decent enough sample size. That's a fair sample size. Yeah. There's more. There's more sample size data there than say. Chaos or something, which still uses the classic map, because yeah, you've yeah. got a lot more players there, but a lot smaller number of games to draw as your sample with your decision making for the bots. I, I still would be fascinated, like just as a trial run. You know, okay, so we've got these bots which are specialist on your classic map, and just try them on on chaos. Just just roll the dice and see what happens. Oh yeah, but you know? my understanding of the way it works is that's probably not going to probably not going to work. But because I'd expect like, also no. the guys would want to make sure that it's a good quality offering that they're not yeah, going to put out yeah, shit yeah. or something that's going to just create really shit outcomes. Yeah, part of me just wants that. Part of me just wants what happens when you got you know thirty six bots playing against <laughs> each other. Well, <laughs> you know? well, see when you're playing against six bots and they they kick your ass, how quick do you think you're going to be dead playing? 33 bots. Yeah, oh, yeah, disappear straight away. Yep. I mean, so what were some other things that sort of popped up on that? Like, I, I learned a lot about machine learning in that interview. Yep. Like, that I wasn't really that aware of, you know. Well, what I'm, what I'm interested in is potentially the, um, where things could go when it comes to that natural language element potentially into the future. I think it sounded like that wasn't going to happen too quickly. Because of, but it would have to be like based around um, almost like sample um, sample scripts, if I can put it that way, that the bot could draw upon. Oh yes, you yep. know what yep. I mean. Yep. But that seems to be something that's way down the track. I reckon that's probably at least a year, two years down the track. But who knows? Because oh. you go, well, you could. Because even if you kind of talk to ever, the bot, like you'd have to, you'd actually have to. I reckon you'd have, need to. You wouldn't be able to have a natural language conversation with the bot. You'd probably have to have drop downs, as in like um, select from certain scripts. Yes, that's right. Yeah, yeah. But I think most people wouldn't go for that. See, that doesn't interest me. No, no, it doesn't interest me either. I'd be fine with a true natural language 
but the yeah, technology well, I don't think is there. Yeah, yeah, we're miles no, off that. Yeah, yeah. Um, even even though if you kind of speak to some you know tech gurus, they'll say, oh yeah yeah yeah, we're already Around doing that. You know, by you the know, time they get Alexa, to like, blah blah blah, true language AI would be too close to singularity. It'd just be yeah. you know there goes the end of the world because you know bots have risen up and you know eaten up all the energy and turned us into a Dyson sphere around the sun. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> so, if you're listening to this in, uh, what was the what was the year that, you know... In the year 2025. Yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> and, like, the, the landscape is just destroyed and, and Terminators that are walking around based on diplomacy logic of killing everybody, Warsaw, stabbing them. Warsaw to Galicia. <laughs> Exterminate. <laughs> So, <laughs> so, so there's no chance we're getting a Skynet out of this at this stage. Yep. Yeah. Definitely not. Um, do we need to go get some more drinks, do you think? Or? I think we do need some more drinks. And so then when we get back, we should just really do a recap on some of these um, other web diplomacy conventions that have happened. Just oh, yeah, yeah. Good yeah. idea. Good idea. Okay. Well, we'll be back in a second. And we're back. Cheers. Cheers. Now you've found out the name of your wine. Yes, it is a Juama. It's a Grenache Shiraz Montvoudier, a GSM, yeah. from the McLaren Vale. And it is, I didn't actually say before, but it's fucking nice. Very nice. Yeah. I'm on the three bolt um, pale ale again. Which is, you know, it's a nice drop. This is a really weird drop because it's got that earthy smell and flavour that I love, which is like a... Um, a bit like mouldy cheese, a bit like a dusty floor, but there's this really... You know um, how to sell it, it like, tastes like a dusty floor. <laughs> there's like a, a tart raspberry that's almost bordering on a cherry tomato flavour. Okay, now you're making me want to have a drink. You can no, try it. No, 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 I'll, I'll stay on my beer. And what have you got? A, a three, a three bolt ale ale. Um, from that local brewery. Um, I'm sure we can Google it can and Google I can add it, it to the show you notes. Can add it to it, yep. So, talking about um, other things that are going on, things that have just wrapped up in the last, what, week, two weeks, there's been WDC 2019 and the world and Dipcon. Dipcon 2019. Uh, yeah, so 19th Dipcon, uh, 29th Dipcon, is it? Or the Euro Dipcon 27? Oh, no. Yes, so. World Dipcon. Well, that's, a, that's the one and the same. I think they kind of slammed them together. Smashed them together. And a big congratulations to Gwen McGee for you know coming in first. Well done, Gwen. Well done. That's 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 great. Representing um, France. Yes. And following that, Andrew Goff. Good on you, mate. Good on you. <laughs> Representing Australia. Down from number one to number two. Gone but not forgotten. Gone but not forgotten. Oh, I think he solid. can come back again. <laughs> that is a solid, solid position there. Who's on three and four there, Andy? I don't know. I can't see because my eyes are going. Um, Christophe Bourget, who's from Switzerland. How international. And here come the Americans. Oh, and American. And an American. Oh, no, there's a couple more Americans down on the list. Oh, yeah. Oh, number four is Bill Hackenbrock. Number five is Luca Pazaglia from Italy. Uh, we have... Cyril Seven 
Um, oh, actually, no, it's actually so Cyril is French, but living in Germany. Oh yeah, based yep, on that yep. map. Based on what we're looking at there. Ruben Sanchez Garcia Luengo de Madrid. I don't know what that map. What that? That'd be Uganda. Is it? Yeah. Wow. Awesome. Um, Andrew Catcher is representing and from the US. And number nine, Vincent Roulet, who is French but lives in Italy. And on number 10 is Rene Van Rugen. Am I saying that right? Probably not. Probably not. And number 11, which we'll just, we wouldn't do number 11, but number 11 is Emmanuel de Pontevice, who is the guy that we interviewed about the um, about WDC uh, a few episodes back. Good on you, Emmanuel. Nice, nice, nice round thing. And I'm sure you guys had an absolute blast. Yeah. Yeah. We, but the thing about this that I found would be uh, there wasn't a lot on social media about this event. There wasn't many postings in Twitter. Mind you, I only hang out Twitter. I don't worry about Facebook too often. Um, and I don't go to Instagram. Well, I don't do either, so I wouldn't know. Yeah. There wasn't anything there for that. But I'm sure it would have been a great place. I'm sure people had lots of fun. But, um, yeah, didn't really know about how things were going at the time. Which is similar to Dipcon, because I haven't actually... also just wrapped up, too. Just wrapped up, but I haven't actually seen the... um, who won, who didn't? Let's pull it up. Oh, can you find it? Uh, I'm on the homepage for the um, the Dipcon 2019 in Seattle. Yeah. Um, and it doesn't look like there's any updated lists. No. There but is I've, some I've, stuff on Twitter about some of the games, so like photos of people playing. And more importantly, and I'm sure you like this one, Kona. Black tie event? The black tie event. There we go. I'll show you the photo. Oh, doesn't everyone look suave? Where's Crocodile Dundee? <laughs> and don't you cro- love don't you love this dude over here? Oh, classic! He looks like a you know uh, Austrian foot, footman or something like that. You know, just an Austrian prince, very Machiavellian look. Isn't so that great. So we'll have to um, include that photo as part of the uh, the show notes as well. Is that one of the Canadian Royal Mounted uniforms at the very back of the hat? Is that, is that a Canadian uniform? It is. It's exactly a Canadian Mounted Police uniform. I, I missed that. So <laughs> that's probably the closest you get. To, it's like an American Crocodile Dundee, isn't it? Oh, no, an American. North American. North American. <laughs> Sorry, you don't want to call a Canadian American. <laughs> this is like calling an American a Canadian. Or an Australian in New Zealand, or and vice versa. How good that! Yeah. So, and of course, it being a very uh, yeah, yeah, talk about diplomatic faux pas. And the other thing which I thought was really quite good, um, you know, which was always a good thing, is there was a good representation from uh, a lot of number of female players as well, which is excellent. Bravo! Great to see, not just being a totally blokey bloke event. Lovely dresses going on there too. Yeah. And um, uh, pantsuits. There is, yes. So there you go. So that was good. So it's almost like, you know, that's, it's tis the season for diplomacy. Tis the diplomacy season. Um, talking about diplomacy season, we've got our next face-to-face game here in Brisbane. If this comes out on Friday or Saturday, Queensland time, it'll be a day or two away. Yes, this Sunday. Yep. So for, for us, it's what... 
full dues. Yep. Yep. So we kind of didn't get the late surge of people joining up, so I don't know if we'll get a proper normal two tables or whether we go from like a one and a half table. And I like your suggestion, and I don't know if you got around to it yet, of like printing out something like an ancient med map or something. So if you don't get yeah. a full, you know, 14, but you get a good chunk, you might be able to do a classic map and an ancient med map. I don't know. I like the idea. Uh, I like printing them off on A3. You have to bring your little um, tanks and You would have to bring the extra blocks. Um, but the... Oh, the tanks would fit fine for that. They'd be fine. If you don't mind, like, you know, running around the ancient Mediterranean... With and Abrams tanks. Destroyers. Okay, so let's say I'm going to do this. Yeah. I'm going to print out, like, ancient Mediterranean. Are there other five... Four or five player variants that are nice and solid that I don't know would, would be good to do as well. Like, I'm not just if I, I think was to print out one, I may as well print out five. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, you're right. I mean, from a um, um, statistically, the most fairest map would be something like that um, Battle of was it Battle of the Dun, War of the Dun, Vietnam of the Dun, Treaty of the Dun. But that's only three player that's map. That's a three player one. And that wouldn't be a very much that wouldn't be much fun with the negotiations because like it's two two people talking and one person sitting in the corner. Getting and then you just yeah. swap it around and one person steps in the corner anyway. I, I I do like Maybe if you look at some of the stats on V dip. Yeah, let's let's pull up V dip. To let's see look what's some of the working and what's stats. not. Um oh, how do I even get there? Oh well it's under Variants, but actually, it won't. We won't work. It doesn't work very well on iPads. Oh, actually, you still get the gra- you get the tables, but not the graphs. Or as you would say, graphs, because you're a southerner. For a graph, graph, graph. I'll take graph. Hey, talking about some of your. If I'm going to just digress for one, one, one moment. Okay. Some of your peculiarities. Haven't had much to drink. Peculiarities. Peculiarities. That would be it. That's the word, yep. Did you get any emails from people trying to explain what a panhandle was? <laughs> I, I, I did get a, I did get a couple of private messages. Oh, did you? I did, yeah. Excellent, excellent. And what was, what did they say? Uh, so I was an idiot, pretty much. What they, uh... <laughs> so... <laughs> So if you're a WebDip player and you've only just tuned in for this podcast for the JMO interview, listen to the last episode about Kana's um, very, very, particularly if you're American, very, very forthright views around what constitutes a panhandle in America geographically. And why it should be the other way around, guys. Like... And actually, I thought about, I listened to, when I was doing the editing, your logic, and I think what you're referring to when it comes to Florida it's if, like Florida if, itself is the handle. Yeah, so, no, 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 no. Yeah. so, so it would be like if, if there was such such a concept as the American panhandle, you would be correct. It's kind of like that little bit off the side that comes out of America. Correct, and I just assumed that there was one nation we were talking about, and that was Florida, and Florida was the panhandle. One, na- one nation under God, yes, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> blah, blah, blah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're walking the, walking the five line. Okay, so there's a few games that are five players. There's um, Caucasia... Chromatic, Manifest Destiny, Sengoku, South America, Ancient Med, Dutch Revolt, World War II. So what I reckon we should do, how about this as a plan? 
Actually, I'll give this job to you because, to be perfectly honest, for me to get this podcast out and um, edited, show notes, and do all the audio engineering in time for the expectations for when the web diff release is going to happen, it's not going to be me. It's got to have to be you. Sorry. Um, But if you're able to have a look at the statistics around what are some of the more balanced versions of something underneath seven players, so like a six-player game, five-player game, four-player game, and just print those maps out and bring them on and that way like if we get 12 people turn up problem solved seven people play classic five people play the five player map oh okay so six people turn up plus seven so that's another way around we just we just right size it Okay, I'm, 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 I'm okay with that. Like, print out a couple of four players, well, yeah, print but, out a couple but, of six players. No, 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 you only need to play, print out one map of each. But you just, the only thing you just need to do is just, just have a look at the statistics to find out which of these, for each one, four-player game, five-player game, six-player game, which is the most balanced affair, so to speak, statistically. I, I kind of like... I mean, Ancient Med is a nice-looking map, but I yep. also like the South America five-player variant. Yep. Oh, that's a nice-looking map, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I might do those, too. And let them choose. So, in other words, you're not going to listen to my suggestion or recommendation at all? Well, like... You're okay. like my kids. <laughs> I, 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 did, I did hear you, but, you know, I'm, I'm not going to throw the Dutch revolt at anyone, oh, you know, yeah. who's, who's new to the game. Likewise, you know, I'm not going to... You know, try and talk people through who are getting their heads around how convoys work. Why? With Con- the new, with, with this updated version of Sengoku Nagashino. Okay, so yeah, I, so, look, I agree with you. I think what, say, I partly agree with you. I think what you need to do is stick to games that have got generally vanilla variant rules. So the only so real variant is the map, yeah. correct? Yes. Um, and. You know, you could even, if you want to be really kind of, I suppose you can go a bit out there with, with some of these ones that have a build anywhere rule if you really want to, but. Mm. And whatever you do, please straight. don't do chromatic. That just looks stupid. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't bring that over to, to PHP Diplomacy, did you? No, not me. That was um, coded by Tristan. Okay. Well, Tristan, I don't like the map. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, whoa. However, it was created by Jimmy Millington, Rob Schoen, and Lindsay Smith. Okay, well, Tristan, I don't hold you personally responsible. You just facilitated a terrible. <laughs> no, it's probably it's, okay. No, no, it's, it's again. This is one that would be theoretically, statistically equal. It's kind of like what's that other one that's very similar? Well, what you're looking at is Italy just spun around on a on a on a wheel. Axis, yeah. And so it's like pure in that sense. Yeah, pure. That's what I was thinking of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But so uh, statistically speaking, no one person, no one player starts off an advantage to another. Yes, it just looks dumb. Leave it to your tastes to say that. I, 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 I'm, I'm not against the map. I, I just don't anyway, really play it that often. So, so. in other words, we've, we've got this game coming up. We are going to go for two tables and we'll just do one classic table and one... We'll come up with a plan. I've left you in charge of printing out the maps. Apparently I've left you now in charge of deciding how the maps work. We'll go your way. We'll give it a go. Okay. And if everyone thinks your way sucks... We'll go then your we've got way to, in the future. That's right. Yeah. Okay, fair enough. Kind of like the way things work at Ampy's house. 
Um, so we might look at wrapping this one up soon because we actually have a, a guest joining us in the next episode. Because we're doing a back-to-back. We're doing a back-to-back. Yep. And um, he's kind of indicated that he'll be here any minute now, so we don't want to look like him continue re- speaking whilst he walks in. So um, we'll wrap things up very, very quickly. I do want to just mention quick, um, though, briefly that uh, if you do love the show and you want to get behind the show, you can do that in two ways. If you want to get us more drunk, sign up to our Patreon account, so patreon.com slash diplomacygames. You can contribute whatever you want every month or a special one-off. And um, basically all that money goes towards the drinking because nobody wants us to have better audio gear. They just want us to get more paralytic. On that, on that, on that avenue, yeah. So from that point of view, I'll just give a shout-out to two long-term Patreons who have continued to support us over many, many, many months. So a big thanks to Alex Ronke and Chris Martin for continuing to support us. Thank you, guys. Um, and if you want to hear better audio gear, you need to hop on Amazon. But do so through diplomacygames.com slash Amazon. So how does this work? So what this works is basically you go through. You can you don't have to buy anything diplomacy-related. You can buy, you know, we said before, a fridge if you really want to. A fridge would be great because we get a really good cut out of that. Um, but you then look around. But it's not impacting on the purchase price. That's right. It doesn't cost a cent more. You pay exactly the same if you don't follow our link as if you do. Okay. So if you do that, we get a small, small, very small wafer margin, and it helps. But we need to have three sales in the first six months to, be, to stay with Amazon. How many sales have we got so far? We've still only got one, <laughs> and we've only made 11 cents. <laughs> I actually checked today what it was. And the actual thing that was sold, I don't know who it was sold to, was a copy of Machiavelli's The Prince. Oh, how perfect. How perfect is that for a diplomacy player? So we'll need to create a link to that one so everyone can go out and buy their own copies. Mind you, actually, we probably, we're more interested in just the sales, not necessarily the money. We want to stay there because we stay there for six months, we're there forever. But um, as, as, as a book to read, the Machiavelli, the Prince, is probably a good... And when you click on that and go through, basically, like, it sets a... Amazon will set cookies. Everyone sets cookies nowadays. But it means that for the next 24 hours, if you come back to Amazon to buy anything, we still get that little cut. But after 24 hours, it just kind of forgets the cookie and you start all over again. Okay. So we've actually had 19 people follow our links, but only one right. sale so far. Uh, okay, guys. So jump on and buy that fridge, buy that book. Because we are never going to get that blimp that otherwise. Yeah. How can we become diplomatic men of leisure and report live from... Uh, the next Dipcon. That's right. Yeah. So we'll wrap up. Um, I'm Andy. I'm Tina. And you've been enjoying Diplomacy Games. Talk soon. Cheers.